I'm Phil. And I'm Sam. Today we will re be reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. Yes. Okay, now without further ado, take it away, Sam. Chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. Christmas was coming. One morning in mid-December, Hogwarts woke to find itself covered in several feet of snow. The lake froze solid and the Weasley twins were punished for bewitching several snowballs so that they followed Quirrell around, bouncing off his back, bouncing off the back of his turban. They, the few owls that managed to battle their way through the stormy sky to deliver mail had to be nursed back to health by Hagrid before they could fly off again. No one could wait for the holidays to start. While the Gryffindor common room and the Great Hall had roaring fires, the drafty corridors had become icy, and a bitter wind rattled the windows in the classrooms. Worst of all were Professor Snape's classes down in the dungeons, where their breath rose in a mist before them, and they kept as close as possible to their hot cauldrons. I just want to say this is scientifically accurate because heat rises. Yeah. Continue. I do feel, I do feel so sorry," said Draco Malfoy. Wait, no, sorry. I do feel so sorry," said Draco Malfoy. For who exactly? One potion's class. For all those people who have to stay at Hogwarts for Christmas because they're not wanted at home. That's not necessarily true. He was looking over at Harry as he spoke. Crab and Goyle chuckled. Harry, who was measuring out powdered spine of lionfish, ignored them. Malfoy had been even more unpleasant than usual since the Quidditch match. Disgusted that the Slytherins had lost, he had tried to get everyone laughing at how a wide-mouthed tree frog would be replacing Harry as secret next. Then he'd realize that nobody found this funny, because they were all so impressed at the way Harry had managed to stay on his bucking broomstick. So Malfoy, jealous and angry, had gone back to taunting Harry about having no proper family. It was true that Harry wasn't going back to Privet Drive for Christmas. Professor McGonagall had come around the week before making a list of students who would be staying for the holidays, and Harry had signed up at once. He didn't feel sorry for himself at all. This was probably the, the best Christmas he'd ever had. Ron and his brothers were staying too, because Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were going to Romania to visit Charlie. When they left the dungeons at the end of potions, they found a large fir tree blocking the corridor ahead. Two enormous feet sticking out at the bottom, and a loud puffing sound told them that Hagrid was behind it. Hi, Hagrid. Want any help? Ron asked, sticking his head through the branches. I, I doubt that they'd have any leverage against that massive tree. Nah, I'm all right, thanks, Ron. Would you mind? Would you mind moving out of the way? Came Malfoy's cold drawl from behind them. Are you trying to earn some extra money, Weasley? Hoping to be gamekeeper yourself when you leave Hogwarts, I suppose. That hut of Hagrid's must seem like a palace compared to what your family is used to. Actually, um, their house is quite bigger. Ron dived at Malfoy just as Snape came up the stairs. Weasley! Ron let go of Malfoy's robes. He was provoked, Professor Snape, said Hagrid, sticking his huge hairy face out from underneath the tree. Malfoy was insulting his family. Be that as it may, fighting is against Hogwarts rules, Hagrid, said Snape sickly. Five points from Gryffindor, Weasley, and be grateful it isn't more. Move along, all of you. Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle pushed roughly past the tree, scattering needles everywhere and smirking. 
I'll get him, said Ron, grinding his teeth at Malfoy's back. One of these days, I'll get him. I hate them both, said Harry. Malfoy and Snape. Come on, cheer up, it's nearly Christmas. Tell you what. Come with me and see the Great Hall looks a tree. So the three of them followed Hagrid and his tree to the Great Hall, where Professor McGonagall and Professor Flitwick were busy with the Christmas decorations. Ah, Hagrid, the last tree. Put it in the far corner, will you? The hall looks spectacular. Festoons of holiday and mistletoe, holly and not holiday, holly and mistletoe hung all around the walls, and no less than twelve towering Christmas trees stood around the room. Some sparkling with tiny icicles, some glittering with hundreds of candles. How many days you got left until your holiday? Hagrid asked. Twelve. Just one. Just one, said Hermione. And that reminds me, Harry, Ron, we've got half an hour before lunch. We should be in the library. Oh yeah, you're right, said Ron, tearing his eyes away from Professor Flitwick, who had got golden bubbles blossoming out of his wand. I was trailing them all over the branches. Oh, okay, the I, I just want to say something. This is kind of spoiler, kind of not. They're going to be looking for Nicholas Flamel's names in books. But if you purposely want to hide something in a dungeon filled with a three-headed dog and other traps, why would you have a book on Nicholas Flamel? Wouldn't this take, like, the whole secret away? Because, it, like, they could say that he created a whole, like, Sorcerer of Stone, the most powerful wizarding device in the world. So why would they even, you know, tell that to anyone? They should just get uh, well, that would all be books sense. of cross references. That's censorship. I'm pretty sure they don't do that at Hogwarts. Well, it's to keep the Sorcerer of Stone safe. But due to an unfortunate series of events, this is spoiler, in book four, right? Mm-hmm. Three, three or four, I think it was four. No, it what was the Triwizard Tournament in again? Book four. Book four, okay. Well, in book four, Voldemort comes back. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, due to an unfortunate series of events, he is on the back of Coral's head right now, and he is trying to get Sorcerer of Stone. Truly, because it is the most um, powerful magical device that you can continue Sam. Mm-hmm. The library, said Hagrid, following them out of the hall. Just before the holidays, bit keen, aren't you? Oh, we're not working, Harry told him brightly. Ever since you mentioned Nicholas Flamel, we've been trying to find out who he is. You what? said Hag Hagrid, looked a little shocked. Listen here, I've told you. Moreover, who he was. I've told you. Drop it. It's nothing to do, it's nothing to you what that dog's garden. We just want to know who Nicholas Flamel is. It truly really is nothing to them said Hermione. Unless you'd like to tell us and save us all the trouble, Harry asked, added. We must have been through hundreds of books already, and we can't find him anywhere. Just give us a hint. I know I've read his name somewhere. I'm saying nothing, said Hagrid flatly. Just have to find out for ourselves then, said Ron, and they left Hagrid, looking disgruntled, and hurried off to the library. They had indeed been searching for books for Flamel's name ever since Hagrid let it slip, because how else were they going to find out what Snape was trying to steal? The trouble was, it was very hard to know where to begin, not knowing what Flamel might have done to get himself into a book. He wasn't in great wizards of the 20th century or notable, notable magical names of our time. He was missing, too, from important modern magical discoveries, and 
a study of recent developments in wizardry. Well, actually, here's the thing. Modern times were after the Spanish invaded the Inca, which was 1620, and I believe Nicholas Flamel made the Sorcerer's Stone before that time. You just spoiled the whole book. Congratulations. Thus, it is not in modern, nor in the century, Nicholas Flamel is dead. I've said this multiple times. You should know whatever that I'm, mm-hmm. I talk that I'm going to release some sort of spoiler. And then, of course, there was the sheer size of the library. Tens of thousands of books, thousands of shelves, hundreds of narrow rows. <clears throat> Hermione took out, out a list of subjects and titles she had decided to search while Ron strode off down a row of books and started pulling them off the shelves at random. Harry wandered over to the restricted section. He had been wondering for a while if Lamel wasn't somewhere in there. Unfortunately, you need a specially signed note from the teachers to look in any of the restricted sections. Obviously, he is in the restricted section. And spoiler alert, in the middle of the night, he's going to go into the restricted section and look for Flamel's name in one of the books. But he fails. He fails because the books start screaming. I don't know why. It's very <laughs> random, but the books start screaming. He had been wondering for a while... If Flamel wasn't somewhere in there. Unfortunately, you need a specially signed note from one of the teachers to look at any of the restricted books, and he knew he'd never get one. These were the books containing powerful dark magic, never taught at Hogwarts, and only read by older students studying advanced defense against the dark arts. What are you looking for, boy? Nothing, said Harry. Madame Pibbs, the librarian. Uh-oh, I did a bad voice. Uh, brandished a feather duster at him. You better get out. Get out, then. Go on. Out! Wishing he'd been a bit quicker and thinking of some story, Harry left the library. He, Ron, and Hermione had already agreed they'd better not ask Madame Pince where they could find Flamel. They were sure she'd be able to tell them, but they couldn't risk Snape hearing what they were up to. Harry waited outside in the corridor to see if the other two had found anything, but he wasn't very hopeful. They had been looking for two weeks after all, but they had... But as they had only had odd moments between lessons, it wasn't surprising they'd found nothing. What they really needed was a nice long search without Madame Pince breathing down their necks. Oh yeah, so this is exactly where Harry gets the idea of the night search. Yes. Five minutes later, Ron and Hermione joined him, shaking their heads. They went off to lunch. You will keep looking while I'm away, won't you? said Hermione. And send me an owl if you find anything. Oh, yeah, so just, like, send me a letter or send me an email. Send me an owl. It only takes, like, two days mail across England. Make sure the owl doesn't get hit by a plane, too. Wait, where is Hogwarts located, actually? That's a good question. Scotland. Okay. And you could ask your parents if they know who Flamel is, said Ron. It'd be safe to ask them. They're safe, as they are both dentists. (laughs) Indeed. And muggles. Very safe. Very safe. (laughs) Once the holidays had started, Ron and Harry were having too good a time to think much about Flamel. They had the dormitory to themselves, and the common room was far emptier than usual, so they were able to get the good armchairs by the fire. Honestly, they always mention that Harry and Ron always get the good armchairs, or they're just so used to bad armchairs, so you might as well just deal with it. I mean... They must all be comfy, because otherwise they would, like, throw them away. Well, yeah, it's not like they're going to have an armchair that's, like, made of rock. Once the holidays had started, Ron and Harry were having too much... Oh, weird about that. They sat by the hour, eating anything they could spear on a toasting fork. Bread, English muffins, marshmallows, and plotting ways 
of getting Malfoy expelled, which were fun to talk about even if they wouldn't work. Okay, I just want to say something. What is about them spearing stuff on a stick and roasting it? Because it's all carbs. Like, I'm not saying anything bad about carbs. I'm honestly all for carbs. But why all carbs? They said marshmallows. True, true. But marshmallows have more carbs than anything else. Oh, yeah. Marshmallows are made of sugar. They're made of sugar, but they're also made of other mixes. Okay. And plenty of ways. Okay. Ron also started teaching Harry wizard chess. This was exactly like muggle chess, except the figures were alive, which made it look a lot like directing troops in battle. Ron's set was very old and battered. Like everything else he owned, it had once belonged to someone else in his family. In this case, his grandfather. However, old chessmen weren't a drawback at all. Ron knew them so well, he never had trouble getting them to do what he wanted. Harry played with chessmen Seamus Finnegan had left him, lent him, and they didn't trust him at all. He wasn't a very good player yet, so they kept shouting different bits of advice at him, which was confusing. Don't send me there. Can't you see his knight? Send me, send him. We can't afford to lose him. On Christmas Eve, Harry went to bed, looking forward to the next day, for the food and the fun, but was not, but not expecting any presents at all. When he woke early in the morning, however, the first thing he saw was a pile of packages at the foot of his bed. Merry Christmas, said Ron sleepily as Harry scrambled out of bed and pulled on his bathrobe. You too, said Harry. Will you look at this? I've got some presents. What did you expect? Turnips, said Ron, turning to his own pile, which was a lot bigger than Harry's. Harry picked up the top parcel. It was wrapped in thick brown paper and scrawled across it was to Harry from Hagrid. Inside was a roughly cut wooden flute. Hagrid had obviously whittled him it himself. Harry blew it. It sounded a bit like an owl. A second very small parcel contained a note. We received your message and enclosed your Christmas present from Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia. Taped to the note was a 50 pence piece. That's friendly, said Harry. Ron was fascinated by the 50 pence. Honestly, they probably don't want to be, you know... Murdered by wizards. Yeah. I, I mean, that's her first impression of wizards. Weird, he said. What a shake. This is money? You can keep it, said Harry, laughing at how pleased Ron was. Hagrid, my aunt and uncle. So who sent these? I think I know who's that. who that one's from, said Ron, turning a bit pink and pointing to the very lumpy parcel. My mom, I told her you didn't expect any presents and oh no. She's made you a Weasley sweater. Oh, God. Harry had torn open the parcel to find a thick, hand-knitted sweater in emerald green and a large box of homemade fudge. Oh, God. Every year she makes us a sweater, said Ron, unwrapping his, and mine's always maroon. That's very nice of her, said Harry, trying the fudge, which was very tasty. His next present also contained candy, a large box of chocolate frogs from Hermione. This only left one parcel. Harry picked it up and felt it. It was very light. He unwrapped it. Something fluid and silvery gray was slithering to the floor where it lay in gleaming folds. Oh, oh yes. His father's um, visibility cloak that the he used. true invisibility cloak. Yes, that he used to sneak around the castle that night. Just like Harry. Except Oliver's father didn't get murdered. Brutally. Oliver or Harry? 
It's of Harry's father. His father didn't get brutally murdered. Harry's, Harry's father's father's father. name isn't Oliver. No, I'm saying that Harry's father's name is Oliver. His father's name was Oliver? It's there. I don't know, whatever. Oh, Oliver's father didn't get murdered. No, but it was Harry's father, not Oliver. Not Harry's father's father. Not Harry's grandfather. I, I, what I'm saying is that... Hold on, hold on. It's just like... Harry... Oh, just... You don't understand what I'm saying. Okay, okay. Okay, so I'm just saying, just like... Harry's father, but Harry's father's <laughs> father didn't get murdered brutally like Harry's father did. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. He unwrapped it. Something... I've heard of those, he said in a hushed voice, dropping the box of every flavored beans he'd gotten from Hermione. Oh, no. If that's what I think it is, they're really rare and really valuable. What is it? Harry picked the shining, silvery cloth off the floor. It was strange to touch, like water woven into material. It's an invisibility cloak, said Ron, a look of awe on his face. I'm sure it is. Try it on. Harry threw the cloak around his shoulders, and Ron gave a yell. You, you it is! What? Look down. You know what, Sam? I just have to say, it's only a matter of time before wizards start mass-producing these things in factory. You know to how, sell to muggles. You, you know how, um, no, 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 just sell to other wizards. You or know how muggles. silk used to cost, like, a fortune in, like, 1800s America? Well, now it's really cheap, like, since the 1930s. That's the product of industrialization. Well, I'm pretty sure someday that it will, um, be very cheap to make, but I don't think right now they're at that phase yet. Well... We'll have that phase soon. Or soon enough. It is. Look down. Harry looked down at his feet, but they were gone. He dashed to the mirror. Sure enough, his reflection looked back at him. Just his head suspended in midair. His body completely invisible. He pulled the cloak over his head, and his reflection vanished completely. There's a note, said Ron suddenly. A note fell out of it. Harry pulled off the cloak and seized the letter. Written in narrow, loopy writing he had never seen before were the following words. Your father left this in my possession before he died. It is time it was returned to you. Use it well. A very Merry Christmas to you. There is no signature. Harry stared at the note. Ron and I, I, Mark I was admiring the cloak. I think it was one of three people. It was Dumbledore. Oh. I wasn't gonna say Dumbledore. I was gonna say either, going to say either Snape of Lupin, you know the guy from Book Three. Yeah, nobody didn't. Think. Oh yeah. Or um. It was Dumbledore. Okay, I'm saying. But I'm I know, I know, I know. Who it might have been in my mind, or um. Oh, I said three, but I only saw two people. Oh well. You're, you're he, he's just forgetful. Well, I'm not. I'm not forgetful. Nothing, said Harry. What's anything? What's the matter? Nothing, said Harry. It felt very strange. Who had sent the cloak? Had it really once belonged to his father? Before he could say or think anything else, the dormitory door was flung open and Fred and George Weasley bounded in. Harry stuffed the cloak quite quickly out of sight. He didn't feel like sharing it with anyone else yet. Merry Christmas. Hey, look, Harry's got a Weasley sweater, too. Fred and George were wearing blue sweaters, hey, you know one with a large F on it, the other with a G. Hey, you know what? With the um, cloak, if you share it with Fred and George, you're probably going to take in the middle of the night and sneak out with it. 
Yes. Fred and George were wearing blue sweaters, one with a large F, yellow F, and the other a G. Harry's is better than ours, though, said Fred, holding up Harry's sweater. She obviously makes more of an effort if you're not family. Why aren't you wearing yours, Ron? George demanded. Come on, get it on. They're lovely and warm. And itchy. I hate maroon, Ron moaned half-heartedly as he pulled it over his head. You haven't gotten a letter on yours, George observed. I suppose she thinks you don't forget your name, but we're not stupid. We know we're called Gred and Forge. (laughs) (laughs) What's all this noise? Percy Weasley stuck his head through the door, looking disapprovingly. I, it always reminds me of, what's the guy from, like, the, Percy, oh, he always reminds me of Percy Jackson. Oh, okay. He reminds me of Percy from Tallis, but okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that. We'll get that. No, um, we're not cutting that. Okay. We're going to have 650 of programming. Okay. Percy, we- <laughs> Percy Weasley got his head through the door, looking disapprovingly. He had clearly gotten halfway through unwrapping his presents too, as he too carried a lumpy sweater over his arm, which Fred seized. P for Prefect. Get it on, Percy. Come on. We're all wearing ours. Even Harry got one. I don't want, said Percy thickly, as the twins forced the sweater over his head, knocking his glasses askew. And you're not sitting with the P. I think the P actually stands for potato, or potato, depending on how you say it. And you're not sitting with the Prefect today either? said George. Christmas is a time for family. You might as well they frog-marched Percy from the room. As to what frog-marching is, I don't know. From the room, his arms pinned to his side by his sweater. Harry had never in all his life had such a Christmas dinner. A hundred fat roast turkeys, mountains of roast and boiled potatoes, platters of chipolatas, what are those? Tureens of buttered peas, Silver boats of thick, rich gravy and cranberry sauce and stacks of wizard crackers every few feet along the table. What are wizard crackers? They're crackers for wizards. So like like a cracker, like you bite into the cracker and it's like wizard magical or something? Yeah, you eat the cracker, but like they just call them wizard crackers. It's like they take club crackers from American <laughs> grocery stores and fly them over with magical carpets which were outlawed by the British government. They park them in Scotland, then they get their root sticks, then they take them to whatever the pub was, then they repackage them or something, and then put them in a box and then call them wizard crackers. Um, this sounds like a very um illegitimate business and not a good idea. I, I say that's a very good idea because how can you get the copyright? How can you screw up? Actually, actually you'd probably screw up the whole economy there. Okay. Okay, uh, these fantastic party favors were nothing that, like the feeble muggle ones Dursleys usually bought with their little plastic toys and their flimsy paper hats inside. Oh, hey, I wait, liked, wait, wait. I like those flimsy and bra- very breakable plastic toys. <laughs> <laughs> and I like those really stupid party hats that, like, if, if you just drop it, it's pretty much screwed up. And if you, like, drop it into water, like, it just doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> oh, wait, wizard, oh, wait, no, they're talking about a different, they're not talking about club crackers, they're talking about, like, like, uh, like those party crackers, like, you pull on both sides of them, I've seen those at the supermarket. What? Yeah, okay, you were wrong. Harry pulled a wizard cracker with Fred, and it didn't just bang, it went off with a blast like a cannon and engulfed them all in a cloud of blue smoke. While from the inside exploded a rear admiral's hat and 
and several live white mice. Um... Up at the high table, Dumbledore had swapped his pointed wizard hat for a flowered bonnet and was chuckling merrily at a joke Professor Flitwick had just read him. What is this joke exactly? We will never know. The mysterious joke that no one would know. I bet he was probably laughing at the joke. Why did the chicken cross the road? To go to the other side. See, he was laughing at that because they. I I think he was laughing at the joke. This joke, fall, a beautiful season where all prices fall. (laughs) But really, in reality, it's just a a swap. Obviously, for Christmas prices rise sky high, basically double. Okay, I don't think that's it. But whatever. Up at that. Okay. Flaming Christmas puddings had followed. What are Flaming? Christmas puddings? I don't know. I'm not British, so I don't know what Christmas puddings are. Percy nearly. Uh, maybe broke... our British friends could tell us, but of course they're not in this room. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Percy nearly broke his teeth on a silver sickle and bread. What is a silver sickle? Oh, a sickle, right? The currency that they use in Harry Potter universe. Embedded in his slice. Harry wanted. Watched Hagrid getting redder and redder in the face as he called for more wine, finally kissing Professor McGonagall on the cheek, who, to Harry's amazement, giggled and blushed her top hat, well, her I, top hat lopsided. I, I really thought that, even though she drank too much wine, but I really thought that she would just slap him in the face. Well, she drank a little too much, too. Everyone drank a little too much, I think, at this Christmas party. The kids didn't drink anything. Mm. Okay, we'll, we'll see. We will see. But anyways, let's get back to reading the book. Okay. When Harry finally left the table, he, he was laden down with a stack of things out of the crackers, including a pack of non-explodable luminous balloons, uh-huh. a grow-your-own-warts kit, his own new wizard chest set. The white mice had disappeared, and Harry had a nasty feeling they were going to end up as Mrs. Norris's Christmas dinner. Oh, God. Harry and the Weasleys spent a happy afternoon having a furious snowball fight on the afternoon. On the and harassing Percy, don't forget. <laughs> then the cold, wet, and then cold, wet, and grasping for breath, they returned to the fire in the Gryffindor common room, where Harry broke in his new chess set by losing spectacularly to Ron. He suspected he wouldn't have lost so badly if Percy hadn't tried to help him so much. After a meal of turkey, sandwiches, crumpets, trifle, and Christmas cake, everyone felt too full and sleepy to do much before bed except sit and watch Percy chase Fred and George all over the Gryffindor Tower because they sold his prefect badge. Uh, That's gotta be funny. It had been Harry's best Christmas day ever, yet something had been nagging him at the back of his mind all day. Not until he climbed into bed was he free to think about it. The invisibility cloak and whoever had sent it. Ron, full of turkey and cake. It was cake. Dumbledore. Also, Dumbledore means Bumblebee in a term of British. Yeah, something had been... Okay. Ron, full of turkey and cake, with nothing mysterious to bother him, fell asleep as soon as he'd drawn the curtains of his four-poster. Harry leaned over the side of his own bed and pulled the cloak from under it. His father's. This had been his father's. The material... He let the material flow over his hands... Smoother than silk, later, late as air, use it well, the note had said. He had to try it now. He slipped out of bed. And use it well, obviously, uh, that note means sneak out in the middle of the night and break several school rules, right? Yeah. 
Suddenly, Harry felt wide awake. The whole of Hogwarts had been was open to him in this cloak. Excitement flooded through him as he stood in the dark and silence. He could go anywhere in this. Anywhere, and Filch would never know. Actually, technically, if Filch bumped into him, he would know. Also, it doesn't protect against noise, either. Okay, let's continue. Suddenly... Stop playing with your pop. Ow. <laughs> hey! <laughs> hey! Okay. Suddenly, Harry felt wide awake. The whole of Hogwarts was open to him. Excitement flooded through him as he stood there in the dark and silence. He could go anywhere in this. Anywhere in Filch would never know. Ron grunted in his sleep. Should Harry wake him, something held him back. His father's cloak. He felt that this time, for the first time, the first time he wanted to use it alone. He crept out of the dormitory, down the stairs, across the common room, and slid through the portrait hole. Who's there? squawked the flat lady. Harry said nothing. He walked quietly down the corridor. Where should he go? He stopped, his heart racing, and thought, and then it came to him. The restricted section in the library. Yes, this is where the book is going to scream. The book will scream, because the book, you know, the book just, just can't control himself. He's got to scream, got to let it out. I yeah, yeah, that yeah. book. It's cool to scream, it's cool to cry book. It's okay, I'm with you. <laughs> He'd be able to read as long as he liked, and it took, as long as it took to find out Actually, who Flamel was. not as long as he would like. As long as the night is. He set off, drawing the invisibility cloak tight around him. The library was pitch black and very eerie. Harry lit a lamp to see his way going along the rows of books. The lamp looked as if it was floating around along in midair. And even though Harry could feel his arm supporting it, the sight gave him the creeps. How is that creepy? It's, it's just weird. It's just weird, Harry. It's just weird. He's okay? weird because he thinks it's creepy. Why? Yeah. The restricted section was at the, was right at the back of the library. Sleeping, step, not sleeping, stepping carefully over the rope that separated the, the books from the rest of the library, he held up his lamp to read the titles. A second very small parcel contained a note. We received your message and enclosed your Christmas present from Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia. Taped to the note was a 50 pence piece. That's friendly, said Harry. Ron was fascinated by the 50 pence. Honestly, they probably don't want to be, you know, murdered by wizards. Yeah. I, I mean, that's our first impression of wizards. Weird, he said. What a shape. This is money? You can keep it, said Harry, laughing at how pleased Ron was. Hagrid, my aunt and uncle, so who sent these? I think I know who's that, who that one's from, said Ron, turning a bit pink and pointing to the very lumpy parcel. My mom, I told her you didn't expect any presents, and oh no, she's made you a Weasley sweater. Oh God. Harry had torn open the parcel to find a thick, hand-knitted sweater in emerald green and a large box of homemade fudge. Oh, God. Every year she makes us a sweater, said Ron, unwrapping his, and mine's always maroon. That's very nice of her, said Harry, trying the fudge, which was very tasty. His next present also contained candy, a large box of chocolate frogs from Hermione. This only left one parcel. Harry picked it up and felt it. It was very light. He unwrapped it. Something fluid and silvery gray went slithering to the floor, where it lay in gleaming folds. 
Oh, oh yes, his father's um, invisibility cloak that he the used. true invisibility cloak. Yes, that he used to sneak around the castle that night, just like Harry, except Oliver's father didn't get murdered. Brutally. Oliver or Harry? Except Harry's father's father didn't get brutally murdered. Harry's father's father's father. name isn't Oliver. No, I'm saying that Harry's father's name is Oliver. His father's name was Oliver? It's there. I don't know, whatever. Oh, Oliver's father didn't get murdered. No, but it was Harry's father, not Oliver. Not Harry's father's father. Not Harry's grandfather. I, I, what I'm saying is that... Hold on, hold on. It's just like Harry... Oh, just... You don't understand what I'm saying. Okay, okay. Okay, so I'm just saying, just like... Harry's father, but Harry's father's father didn't get murdered brutally like Harry's father did. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. He unwrapped it. Something... I've heard of those, he said in a hushed voice, dropping the box of every flavored beans he'd gotten from Hermione. Oh, if no. that's what I think it is, they're really rare and really valuable. What is it? Harry picked the shining, silvery cloth off the floor. It was strange to touch, like water woven into material. It's an invisibility cloak, said Ron, a look of awe on his face. I'm sure it is. Try it on. Harry threw the cloak around his shoulders, and Ron gave a yell. Y it know, is! Look down. You know what, Sam? I just have to say, it's only a matter of time before wizards start mass-producing these things in factory. You know to how, sell to muggles. You know how, um, no, 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 just sell to other wizards. You We're know how muggles. silk used to cost, like, a fortune in, like, 1800s America? Well, now it's really cheap, like, since the 1930s. That's the product of industrialization. Well, I'm pretty sure someday that it will, um, be very cheap to make, but I don't think right now they're at that phase yet. Well... We'll have that phase soon. Or soon enough. It is. Look down. Harry looked down at his feet, but they were gone. He dashed to the mirror. Sure enough, his reflection looked back at him. Just his head suspended in midair. His body completely invisible. He pulled the cloak over his head, and his reflection vanished completely. There's a note, said Ron suddenly. A note fell out of it. Harry pulled off the cloak and seized the letter. Written in narrow, loopy writing he had never seen before were the following words. Your father left this in my possession before he died. It is time it was returned to you. Use it well. A very Merry Christmas to you. There is no signature. Harry stared at the note. Ron admired, was admiring the I think it was one of three people. It was Dumbledore. I wasn't going to say Dumbledore, I was going to say either, going to say either, <laughs> Snape of Lupin, you know, the guy from Book 3. Yeah, nobody didn't think, oh yeah. Okay. Or, um. It was Dumbledore. Okay, I'm saying, but. I know, I know, I know. What might have been, in my mind, or, um. Oh, I said three, but I only saw two people. Oh, well. You're, you're, he, he's just forgetful. Well, I'm not. I'm not forgetful. Nothing, said Harry. What's anything? What's the matter? Nothing, said Harry. It felt very strange. Who had sent the cloak? Had it really once belonged to his father? Before he could say or think anything else, the dormitory door was flung open and Fred and George Weasley bounded in. Harry stuffed the cloak quite quickly out of sight. He didn't feel like sharing it with anyone else yet. Merry Christmas. 
Hey, look, Harry's got a Weasley sweater, too. Fred and George were wearing blue sweaters, hey, you know one what? with a large F on it, the other with a G. Hey, you know what? With the um cloak, if you share it with Fred and George, you're probably going to take in the middle of the night and sneak out with it. <laughs> Yes. Fred and George were wearing blue sweaters, one with a large F, yellow F, and the other a G. Harry's is better than ours, though, said Fred, holding up Harry's sweater. She obviously makes more of an effort if you're not family. Why aren't you wearing yours, Ron? George demanded. Come on, get it on. They're lovely and warm. And itchy. I hate maroon, Ron moaned half-heartedly as he pulled it over his head. You haven't gotten a letter on yours, George observed. I suppose she thinks you don't forget your name, but we're not stupid. We know we're called Gred and Forge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's all this noise? Percy Weasley stuck his head through the door, oh, looking Percy. disapprovingly. I, I, it always reminds me of, what's the guy from, like, the... Percy, uh, he always reminds me of Percy Jackson. Oh, okay. He reminds me of Percy from Thomas, but okay. <laughs> We'll, we'll get that. We'll get that. No, we're not cutting that. Okay. We're having six minutes fifty of programming. Okay. Percy Weasley. Percy Weasley got his head through the door, looking disapprovingly. He had clearly gotten halfway through unwrapping his presents too, as he too carried a lumpy sweater over his arm, which Fred seized. P for prefect. Get it on, Percy. Come on. We're all wearing ours. Even Harry got one. I don't want. Said Percy thickly as the twins forced the sweater over his head, knocking his glasses askew. And you're not I, sitting I think with the, the actually, I think the P actually stands for potato or potato, depending on how you say it. Yeah. And you're not sitting with the prefix today either, said George. Christmas is a time for family. You might as well. They frog marched Percy from the room as to what frog marching is, I don't know. From the room, his arms pinned to his side by his sweater. Harry had never in all his life had such a Christmas dinner. A hundred fat roast turkeys, mountains of roast and boiled potatoes, platters of chipoladas, what are those? Tureens of buttered peas, silver boats of thick, rich gravy and cranberry sauce, and stacks of wizard crackers every few feet along the table. What are wizard crackers? They're crackers for wizards. So like, like a cracker, like you bite into the cracker and it's like wizard magical or something? Yeah, you eat the cracker, but, like, they just call them wizard crackers. It's like they take club crackers from American <laughs> grocery stores and fly them over with magical carpets, which were outlawed by the British government. They park them in Scotland, then they get their root sticks, then they take them to whatever the pub was, then they repackage them or something, and then put them in a box and then call them wizard crackers. Um, this sounds like a very um, illegitimate business and not a good idea. I, I say that's a very good idea because how can you get the copyright? How can you screw up? Actually, actually, you probably screw up the whole economy there. Okay, okay. Uh, they used fantastic party favors were nothing that like the feeble muggle ones Dursleys usually bought with their little plastic toys and their flimsy paper hats inside. Oh, hey, I wait, like wait, wait. I like those flimsy and break, very breakable plastic toys, <laughs> <laughs> and I like those really. 
stupid party hats that like if if you just drop it it's pretty much screwed up and if you like drop it into water like it just doesn't exist anymore <laughs> oh wait with oh wait no they're talking about a different they're not talking about club crackers they're talking about like like uh like those party crackers like you pull on both sides of them i've seen those at the supermarket yeah, okay, you were wrong. Harry pulled a wizard cracker with bread, and it didn't just bang. It went off with a blast like a cannon and engulfed them all in a cloud of blue smoke. While from the inside exploded a rear admiral's hat and and several live white mice. Um... Up at the high table, Dumbledore had swapped his pointed wizard hat for a flowered bonnet and was chuckling merrily at a joke Professor Flitwick had just read him. What is this joke exactly? I we will know. never know. The mysterious joke that no one would know. I bet he was probably laughing at the joke. Why did the chicken cross the road what? to go to the other side? Like, See, he was laughing at that because they. Didn't I, have I a think sense he was laughing at the joke. This joke, fall a beautiful season where all prices fall. <laughs> but really, in reality, it's just put a swap. Obviously, for Christmas prices rise okay. sky high and okay. basically double. Okay, I don't think that's it, but whatever. Up at the... Okay. Flaming Christmas puddings had followed... What are Flaming? Christmas puddings? I don't know. I'm not British, so I don't know what Christmas puddings are. Percy nearly... Uh, maybe broke... our British friends could tell us, but of course they're not in this room. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Percy nearly broke his teeth on a silver sickle and bread... What is a silver sickle? Oh, a sickle, right? The currency that they use in Harry Potter universe. Embedded in his slice. Harry wanted, watched Hagrid getting redder and redder in the face as he called for more wine, finally kissing Professor McGonagall on the cheek, who, to Harry's amazement, giggled and blushed her top hat, well, her I, top hat lopsided. I, I really thought that, even though she drank too much wine, but I really thought that she would just slap him through the face. Well, she drank a little too much, too. Everyone drank a little too much, I think, at this Christmas party. The kids didn't drink anything. Mm. Okay, we'll, we'll see. We will see. But anyways, let's get back to reading the book. Okay. When Harry finally left the table, he, he was laying down with a stack of things out of the crackers, including a pack of non-explodable luminous balloons, Aww. a grow-your-own-warts kit, his own new wizard chess set. The white mice had disappeared, and Harry had a nasty feeling they were going to end up as Mrs. Norris's Christmas dinner. Oh, God. Harry and the Weasleys spent a happy afternoon having a furious snowball fight on the afternoon. On the and grounds. harassing Percy, don't forget. <laughs> then the cold, wet, and then cold, wet, and grasping for breath, they returned to the fire in the Gryffindor common room, where Harry broke in his new chess set by losing spectacularly to Ron. He suspected he wouldn't have lost so badly if Percy hadn't tried to help him so much. After a meal of turkey, sandwiches, crumpets, trifle, and Christmas cake, everyone felt too full and sleepy to do much before bed except sit and watch Percy chase Fred and George all over the Gryffindor Tower because they sold his prefect badge. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's gotta be funny. It had been Harry's best Christmas day ever, yet something had been nagging him at the back of his mind all day. Not until he climbed into bed was he free to think about it. The invisibility cloak and whoever had sent it. Ron, full of turkey and It was cake. Dumbledore. Also, Dumbledore means Bumblebee in the term of British. Yeah, something had been... Okay. 
Ron, full of turkey and cake, with nothing mysterious to bother him, fell asleep as soon as he'd drawn the curtains of his four-poster. Harry leaned over the side of his own bed and pulled the cloak from under it. His father's. This had been his father's. The material... He let the material flow over his hands, smoother than silk, lighter, light as air, use it well, the note had said. He had to try it now. He slipped and by out use of it bed. Well, obviously, uh, that note means sneak out in the middle of the night and break several school rules, right? Yeah. Suddenly, Harry felt wide awake. The whole of Hogwarts had been was open to him in this cloak. Excitement flooded through him as he stood in the dark and silence. He could go anywhere in this. Anywhere, and Filch would never know. Actually, technically, if Filch bumped into him, he would know. Also, it doesn't protect against noise, either. Okay, let's continue. Suddenly... Stop playing with your pop. <laughs> hey! <laughs> hey! Okay. Suddenly, Harry felt wide awake. The whole of Hogwarts was open to him. Excitement flooded through him as he stood there in the dark and silence. He could go anywhere in this, anywhere in Filch would never know. Ron grunted in his sleep. Should Harry wake him, something held him back. His father's cloak. He felt that this time, for the first time, the first time he wanted to use it alone. He crept out of the dormitory, down the stairs, across the common room, and slid through the portrait hole. Who's there? squawked the flat lady. Harry said nothing. He walked quietly down the corridor. Where should he go? He stopped, his heart racing, and thought, and then it came to him. The restricted section in the library. Yes, yeah, so this is where the book is going to scream. And the book will scream, because the book, you know, the book just, just can't control himself. Just gotta scream, gotta let it out. I yeah, yeah, that you... book. It's cool to scream, it's cool to cry book. It's okay, I'm with you. <laughs> He'd be able to read as long as he liked, and it took as long as it took to find out who that was. Not as long as he would like, as long as the night is. He set off, drawing the invisibility cloak tight around him. The library was pitch black and very eerie. Harry lit a lamp to see his way going along the rows of books. The lamp looked as if it was floating around along in midair, and even though Harry could feel his arm supporting it, the sight gave him the creeps. How is that creepy? It's, it's just weird. It's just weird, Harry. It's just weird. He's okay? weird because he thinks it's creepy. Boy. Yeah. The restricted section was at the, was right at the back of the library. See, sleeping, step, not sleeping, stepping carefully over the rope that separated the, the books from the rest of the library, he held up his lamp to read the titles. They didn't tell him much. Their peeling faded golden letters spelled words in languages Harry couldn't understand. Yeah, Some had no title at all. One book had a dark stain on it that looked horribly like blood. The hairs on the back of Harry's neck prickled. Maybe he was imagining it, maybe not. But he thought a faint whispering was coming from the books, as though they knew someone was there who shouldn't be. Well, can he had to start somewhere. I think it's just sort of like a, like a sort of like a voice, like he's feeling that. He doesn't actually know somebody's whispering. He just like feels somebody's whispering. The hairs on Harry's neck. Okay, maybe he was imagining it, maybe not. But he thought a faint whispering was coming from the books, as though they knew someone was there who shouldn't be. 
He had to start somewhere, setting the lamp down carefully on the floor. He looked along the bottom shelf for an interesting-looking book, a large black and silver volume caught his eye. He pulled it out with difficulty because it was very heavy, and balancing it on his knee, let it fall open. A piercing, blood-curdling shriek split the silence. The book was screaming. Harry snapped it shut, but the shriek went on and on. One high, unbroken, ear-splitting note. He stumbled backwards and knocked over his lamp, which at once, which went out at once. Panicking, he heard footsteps coming down the corridor outside. Stuffing the shrieking book back on the shelf, he ran for it. He passed Filch in the doorway. Filch's pale, wild eyes looked straight through him. And Harry slipped under Filch's outstretched arm and then streaked up the corridor, the book shriek still ringing in his ears. He came in front of... He came to a sudden halt in front of a tall suit of armor. He had been so busy getting away from the library, he hadn't paid attention to where he was going. Perhaps it was because it was dark. He didn't recognize where he was at all. There was a suit of armor near the kitchens. He knew, but he must be five floors above there. You asked me to come directly to you, Professor, if anyone was wandering around at night, and somebody's been in the library, restricted section. Harry felt the blood drain out of his face. Wherever he was, Filch must have knew no must know a shortcut, because his soft, greasy voice was getting nearer. And to his horror, it was Snape who replied, The restricted section? Well, they can't be far. We'll catch them. Harry stood rooted to the spot as Filch and Snape came around the corner ahead. They couldn't see him, of course, but it was a narrow corridor. And if they came much nearer, they knocked right into him. The cloak didn't stop him from being solid. He backed away as quietly as he could. A door stood ajar to his left. It was his only hope. He squeezed through it, holding his breath, trying not to move it, and to his relief, he managed to get inside the room without noticing anything. They walked straight past, and Harry leaned against the wall, breathing deeply, listening to the footsteps dying away. That had been close, very close. It was a few seconds before he had noticed anything about the room. He had hidden in. This is just sheer luck that he went into the room with the mirror of aerosite desire spelled backwards. It is just sheer luck. He backed away as quietly as he could. A door stood ajar to his left. It was his only hope. Oh, wait. Holding his breath, trying not to move it, he and to his relief, he managed to get inside the room without their noticing anything. They walked straight past, and Harry leaned against the wall, breathing deeply, listening to their footsteps dying away. No, 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 I didn't. They had been close, very close. It was a few seconds before he noticed anything about the room he had hidden in. He looked. It looked like an unused classroom. The dark shapes of desks and chairs were piled against the walls, and there was an upturned waste paper basket. But propped against the wall facing him was something that didn't look as if it belonged there. Something that... Looked as though someone had put it there just to keep it out of the way. It was a magnificent mirror, as high as the ceiling, with an ornate gold frame, standing on two clawed feet. There was an extrusion taut around the top. Erised straw eru oit ube kafru oit on woshi. Yes. We'll see. Oh, what does this mean? His panic fading now that there was no sound of Filch and Snape, Harry moved nearer to the mirror 
wanting to look at himself, but seeing no reflection again, he stepped in front of it. He had to clap his hands to his mouth to stop himself from screaming. He whirled around. His heart was pounding far more furiously than when the book had screamed, for he had not seen, for he had not only seen himself in the mirror, but a whole crowd of people standing right behind him. But the room was empty. Breathing very fast, he turned back to the mirror. There he was, reflecting in it, white and scared looking, and there, reflected behind him, were at least ten others. Harry looked over his shoulder, but still, there was no one. Or were they all invisible too? Was he, in fact, full of uh, in a room full of invisible people, and the mirror's trick was that it reflected them, invisible or not? He looked in the mirror again. A woman standing right behind his reflection was smiling at him and waving. He reached out a hand and felt the air behind him. If she was really there, he'd touch her. Their reflections were so close together, but he only felt air. She and the others existed only in the mirror. She was a very pretty woman. She had dark red hair and her eyes. Her eyes are just like mine, Harry thought, edging a little closer to the glass. Bright green, exactly the same shape. But then he noticed she was crying. Smiling, but crying at the same time. The tall, thin, black-haired man, standing next to her, put his arm around her. He wore glasses, and his hair was very untidy. It stuck up at the back, just like Harry did. Harry was so close to the mirror now that his nose was nearly touching his reflection. Mom, he whispered. Dad? They just looked at him, smiling, and slowly, Harry looked into the faces of other people in the mirror and saw other pairs of green eyes, like his. Other noses, like his. Even a little old man who looked as though he had Harry's knobbly knees. Harry was looking at his whole fa at his family for the very first time in his life. Potter smiled and waved at Harry, and he stared hungrily back at them, his hands pressed flat against the glass, as though he was hoping to fall right through the through it and reach them. He had a powerful kind of ache inside of him, half joy, half terrible silent sadness. How long he stood there, he didn't know. <coughs> Their reflections did not fade. And he looked and looked until a distant noise brought him back to his senses. He couldn't stay here. He had to find his way back to bed. He tore his eyes away from his mother's face and whispered, I'll come back and hurry from the room. You could have me woken me up, said Ron crossly. You can come tonight. I'm going back. I want to show you the mirror. I'd like to see your mom and dad, Ron said eagerly, and I want to see all your family, all the Weasleys. You'll be able to show me your other brothers and everyone. You can see them any old time. Just come around my house this summer. Anyways, maybe it only shows dead people. Shame about not finding Flamel, though. Have some bacon or something. Why aren't you eating anything? Harry couldn't eat. He had seen his parents and would be seeing them tonight. Actually, got badly lost and then found it. I have some bacon. Okay. Harry couldn't eat. He had seen his parents and wouldn't be seeing them again tonight. He had almost forgotten about Flamel. It didn't seem very important anymore. Who cared what three headed dog was guarding? What did it matter? What um, the mirror said linked heavily to this. If Snape stole it, really. Are you alright? Said Ron. You look odd. What Harry feared most was that he might not be able to find the mirror room again. With Ron covered in the cloak too, they had too much. They had to walk much more slowly the next night. They tried retracing Harry's route from the library, wandering around the dark passage, 
ways for nearly an hour. I'm freezing, said Ron. Let's forget it and go back. No, Harry hissed. I know it's here somewhere. Mayor was just hallucinating. I know he wasn't, but what if he was? Mm, he was sleeping on the floor and then somehow woke up and managed to run back. Now I'm saying that he's hallucinating this whole Hogwarts thing. And he's with his parents. His parents didn't die. His parents aren't wizards. And he's just sleeping. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not... That's the weirdest plot to make seven books about a guy sleeping. At the end of the seventh book, he wakes up and he's like, It was all a dream. Well, yeah. No, and then he comes back, wakes up and he finds out that he's actually living in utter dystopia because he was asleep for like like two months. No, he wouldn't be asleep for that long. He'd, he'd essentially just be living the sound like times three speed. I don't know if that's how reality works. I don't care how reality works. You could have a dream about practically anything. What Harry feared most was that he might not be able to find the mirror room again. With Ron covered in the cloak, too, they had to walk much more slow. Okay, wait, I read that. They passed the ghost of a tall, thin witch gliding in the opposite direction, but saw no one else. Just as Ron started moaning that his feet were dead with cold, Harry spotted the suit of armor. It's here. Just here. Yes. They pushed the door open. Harry dropped the cloak from around his shoulders and ran to the mirror. There they were. His mother and father beamed at the sight of him. See, Harry whispered. I can't see anything. Look, look, look at all of that. Them all. There are loads of them. I can only see you. Look in it properly. Go on, stand where I am. Harry stepped aside, but with, but with Ron in front of the mirror, he couldn't see his family anymore. Just Ron in his paisley pajamas. Ron, though, was staring transfixed at his image. Look at me, he said. Can you see your family standing around you? No, I'm alone, but I'm different. I look older, and I'm head boy. What? I am. I'm wearing the badge like Phil used to, and I'm holding up the house cup, the Quidditch cup, and I'm Quidditch captain, too. Ron tore his eyes away from the splendid sight to look excitedly at Harry. Do you think this mirror shows the future? How can it? All my family are dead. Let me have another look. You had it to yourself all last night. Give me a bit more time. You're only holding the Quidditch Cup. What's interesting about that? I want to see my parents. Don't push me. A sudden noise outside in the corridor put an end to their discussion. They hadn't realized how loudly they had been talking. Quick. Ron threw the cloak back over them. As the luminous eyes of Mrs. Norris came around the door, Ron and Harry stood quite still, both thinking the same thing. Did the cloak work on cats? After what they what seemed like an age, she turned and left. This isn't safe. She might have gone for Filch. I bet she heard us. Come on. And Ron and Harry and Ron pulled Harry out of the room. The snow still hadn't melted the next morning. Want to play chess, Harry? Said Ron. No. Why don't we go on down to and visit Hagrid? No, you go. I know what you're thinking about, Harry. That mirror. Don't go back tonight. Why not? I don't know. I've just never. I've just got a bad feeling about it. And anyways, you had too many close shaves already. Filch, Snape, Mrs. Norris are wandering around. So what if they can't see you? What if they walk past you? Or into you? What if you knock something over? You sound like Hermione. I'm serious, Harry. Don't go. But Harry only 
had one th thought in his head, which was to get back in front of the mirror, and Ron wasn't going to stop him. Third night, he found his way more quickly than before. He was walking so fast, he knew he was making more noise than was wise, but he didn't meet anyone. And there were his mother and father smiling at him again, and one of his grandfathers stood nodding happily. Harry sank down to sit on the floor in front of the mirror. There was nothing to stop him from saying, staying here all night with his family. Nothing at all. Except, so back again, Harry? Harry felt as though his insides had turned ice. He looked behind him. Sitting on one of the desks by the wall was none other than Albus Dumbledore. Harry must have walked straight past him, so not so desperate to get to the mirror that he must not have noticed him. I, I didn't see you, sir. Strange how nearsighted being invisible can make you, said Dumbledore. And Harry was relieved to see that he was smiling. So, Dumbledore... So, said Dumbledore, slipping off the desk to sit on the floor with Harry. You, like hundreds before you, have discovered the delights of the mirror, Vera said. I didn't know it was called that, sir. But I expect you've realized by now what it does. It, well, it shows me my family. And it showed your, your friend Ron himself as head boy. How did you know? I don't need a cloak to become invisible, said Dumbledore, gently. Now, can you think what the Mirror of Erised shows us all? Harry shook his head. Let me explain. Your desires. Yes, but Dumbledore is trying to explain to Harry. The happiest man on earth would be able to use the Mirror said like a normal mirror. That is, he would look himself... Look into it and see himself exactly as he is. Does that help? Harry thought. Then he said, it shows us what we want. Whatever we want. Yes and no, said Dumbledore quietly. It shows us nothing more or less than the deepest, most desperate desire of our hearts. You who would have never known your family see them standing around you. Ronald Weasley who has always been overshadowed by his brother, sees himself standing alone, the best of them. However, this mirror will give us neither knowledge or truth. Men have wasted away before it, entranced by whatever they have seen, or have been driven mad, not knowing if what it shows is real or even possible. The mirror will be moved to a new home tomorrow, Harry. And I ask you, do not, and I ask you not to go looking for it again. He will. If you ever do run across it, you will now be prepared. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Remember that. Now, why don't you put that Admiral cloak, Admiral cloak back on and get back off to bed? Harry stood up. Sir, Professor Dumbledore, can I ask you something? Obviously, you've just done so, Dumbledore smiled. You may ask me one more thing, however. What do you see when you look into the mirror? I, I see myself holding a pair of thick woolen socks. Harry stared. One can never have enough socks, said Dumbledore. Another Christmas has come and gone, and I didn't get a single pair. People will insist on giving me books. It was only when he was back in bed that it struck Harry that Dumbledore might not have been quite truthful. But then he thought, as he shoved Scavers off his pillow, it had been quite a personal question.